When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Troy Nance's Absolute Podcast. With you as always, Steve Haller. Uh, and if you're very confused, uh, we're surprised because on the live stream, we had no intro music. So, uh, yeah. Hi, Steve Haller here. With me as always, Christian Guzman and Andy Pragling. What's going on, guys? This is when you know the world's falling apart. We don't know when our intro music is playing. It's 74 degrees in Syracuse, and basketball has an under five hunger record in March. Dogs yeah, and cats living f- together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> I'm genuinely waiting for the day where we look outside and all of a sudden, you know, Nick Saban has left Alabama and is coming back to Syracuse. And then that's when we know that we truly are in the upside down. And. We deserve some joy in this hellscape of a of a football year, which shout out to Chris Carlson, who did the thing yeah. that <laughs> only Chris Carlson could have done, <laughs> which is catalog how historically bad this Syracuse athletic season has been for the university and for the department. I thought which... we were going to drop a University of Syracuse there for the record. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was trying to do the holistic, uh, you know, let's let's it's been. I mean, I could say it's for all of Syracuse, but then I don't want to discount Lemoyne and, you know, other schools in the area on what they might have done on the athletic fields. But the big the big university, Syracuse University, has not had a uh, a great year, which I do want to give Chris Carlson. Um, I'm looking for why can't is his Twitter? Why is his Twitter not coming up for me? Um Anyways, I just wanted to give him credit. The article is on Syracuse dot com. It requires a paywall. Um but his uh, so I don't want to spoil it, but the tweet is just three marquee programs scuffling two scandals. It's been a long time since Syracuse University has seen a sports year this bad. I looked back so you didn't have to. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's a retrospective that really, I mean, when you put it like that, this was this was a year. This this really it was, was a year. It, it was a year, and I want to start with men's basketball because I know that's what everybody here is tuned in for. Don't worry. The MLSing, the lacrossing, the random tangents will be in the back half of the show. So uh, for those of you that uh, just listen in to hear the hot, spicy basketball takes, we'll get them off the top here. We had talked weeks ago, gentlemen, that the end of this year was probably going to be another 2-4 and four end to the season. Uh, in the ACC, something that Syracuse has become a master at over the last few seasons. We all pretty much agreed that there was going to be some ugly losses to some good teams in there and that Syracuse would make it interesting, but ultimately would probably find a way to win uh, the Miami game to salvage the end of the season. What happened this week was... (laughs) 
somehow worse than anything I could have imagined. And I think everybody wants to start with the Miami game, but I want to start with the North Carolina game, which should have been, it should have been red flags for everybody. The fact that that game went to overtime, the fact that that game ended the way it did with a scoreline that was exactly the way that everybody thought that game would end. Just but it gave five minutes that, later. <laughs> it, yep. But it gave you that sliver of hope. That should have been the red flag to all of us that something terrible was going to happen in the Miami game. Um, but yeah, I was watching that game at Bar Trivia, hosted by Jeremy, who is from Rochester. He runs the trivia every week and is oh, a no. Syracuse fan. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, that was an experience that I can only say made me realize how terrible it is to be a Syracuse basketball fans this year. Uh, Steve, this is the worst season of your lifetime. This is the worst season of most people's lifetimes. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's the first time a James Arthur Bayheim II team has finished under 500 on the regular season, which I... If you'd have told me prior to this season, I would have said is completely, in the immortal words of Ralph Wiggum, impossible. And it really, like, it's it's hard to fathom that it happened, but here we are. Um, and, to boot, we also, courtesy of James Arthur Beheim II's progeny, have uh, captured the ACC title for leading scorer in Buddy Beheim. So somehow we have the best score in the ACC and finish under 500. And I think Kevin pointed out this is the second time in three years we've had the ACC's top score and missed the NCAA tournament. Knock on wood, assuming we don't go on some crazy run uh, in the tournament and Jerry McNamara the hell out of this. But um, And Syracuse beats Duke. Wow. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I've, I've watched Syracuse basketball long enough to understand that you cannot count this out. However, the likelihood of that happening is somewhere between Slim and Nutton, and Slim just walked out the door. So how how do you how do you wrap your head around all this? Like we can score points, we can't play defense, and we had the worst record in modern Syracuse history. Like what Christian, what what is this season? What did we just watch for the last couple of months? No. Fair. That's basically yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like why? <laughs> what date is it? <laughs> Where am I? Right. I mean, who's Man, oh. That's basically unfortunately where we are with this Syracuse team is that we knew there were going to be problems coming in based on who left, who was and what's not brought in and you know, that just kind of just foretold the entire story. Like we knew that losing key people like Kadari Richmond, like Robert Braswell, like Quincy Carrier, was going to have an effect on this team and probably for the worst. There was a hope that the additions of Jimmy Beheim and Cole Swider, maybe to a lesser extent Samir Torrance, could have leveled some of that out. I, I think a lot of people also knew that only bringing in one freshman in Benny Williams was not the best of ideas. And it all kind of just circled around and turned into, yeah, everything that you thought could go wrong 
would go wrong. And unfortunately, there were too many weaknesses that the strengths couldn't cover up. And that's that's the crazy thing, too. You you hit the nail on the head where everything that could go wrong did. Like, this team finally figured itself out to a degree, and then Jesse Edwards goes down. And it's like, okay, we, we, we finally start cooking, we finally start, you know, feeling something, and then the center collapses. Literally, the, the center. But um, also the center of the team and the, the core of what they were kind of working towards just falls out from underneath them and now we're left where we are currently in effectively limbo where there's no there's no way up to the tournament and it's just going to be you know we're not going to not get an nit invite just because you know uh, we're a major program yeah they're going to we're going to get an nit invite it'll probably be a relatively high seed so that we can get some home games so that they can draw some ticket sales um not, not to be cynical, but that's just how it always works. CBI. CBI. <laughs> are, are they actually playing the CBI this year? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know if that came back or if that died the if that went the way of the COVID. Um I no the CBI might play. I'm just not sure that Syracuse would play in it. Uh, I don't know. I I'm not I'm I'm fifty I'm fifty fifty on Syracuse would even accept an NIT invite. Eh, they will, because they also want to sell tickets and concessions. I mean, the NIT invite is also dependent on the Dome not being double booked for other sporting events that are taking place. And what other monster champ dates are happening (laughs) this year? (laughs) Right. Like, that's that's the other part of this that's very real. Um, I'm actually looking this up now. Yeah, I I, I think, Steve, though, you you hit the nail on the head. And, and like, I don't want to... I think that there's a really important level of nuance to this conversation that we need to have. You are absolutely correct. The Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And that's a very large part of why this team is sub 500 going into the ACC tournament and why they aren't favored against Florida State and could finish the year with, you know, two losses below 500. You know, just absolutely right. terrible. That being said, with Jesse Edwards with Benny Williams not going down for a season-long injury, with Samir not getting kicked, literally knocked in the head against Duke yep. and being knocked out for the rest of the year, I don't think any of those three guys being healthy is enough to get Syracuse into the tournament because of those core foundational issues that Christian talked about, which is that what went out especially was a lot of athleticism and a lot of defense with some solid offensive upside. And what was brought in was a lot of offensive potential and not a lot of defensive help. And you saw this year, you know, to that, to Kevin's point, scoring was not Syracuse's issue. Syracuse's issue was stopping teams enough that they could even outscore them. And like I'm where I'm sitting here wearing a Brooklyn Nets hoodie and that has been, you know, everybody, if you follow <laughs> the NBA at all, that's been the 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 Nets have assembled some of the best had literally have the best score in the NBA and can't win a game because they can't stop anybody. Like as much as we like to sit here and talk about how great it is that you need, you know, and as much as Jim Beheim likes to say, sometimes the the you know, the ball just doesn't go into the hoop. You still have to stop the other team. You don't just, you know, lay them through and let them walk to the basket or let them get uncontested open threes all day. 
Um, there needs to be some defensive element to it. And that was just what was lacking from this team to a point that even if things do break right, they were still a bubble team at best. Oh, absolutely. And it's it always I, I guess it always kind of boggles my mind when you hear Bay time Bay time. Is that the yes? <laughs> is that the new yes. the new the new moniker for the post game press conferences? It's now Bay time. Uh, mm-hmm. The um, like in his post game press is 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 Pete gonna have to like hold court like a royal jester and be like, "All rise for Bay time." <laughs> God, I can picture it now. That'd be amazing. Um. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, because we, we never get off cats, top. Please approach. <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, yeah but in 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 jim's postgame pressers he you know when he talks about the ball not going in and you know oh you know we didn't make shots and whatever like this is someone who's who's hung his head and made his name on defense and and yes that's more recent in his career and you know the the switch to the zone and all that but it's still you know, he understands that there's more to the game than that, and we see there's more to the game than that. And it's like the the dismissiveness sometimes can be like a little over the top just because, you know, it is what it is. But this team figured it out just a little too late. Like, say say they had figured out what they the the week that Jesse went down, if they'd have started playing that brand of ball a month prior this team is probably on the bubble looking on the right side but things just kind of clicked a little bit too late a little bit past where they could have and you know uh, one thing leads to another and you're looking at a very not good finish to this season so i don't know yeah it's it it's i mean it was just it's ugly and there's still one more game left to be played um, this Wednesday in Brooklyn. Hey, guys. Uh, no sleep till done. I literally uh, here hoping uh, that I clear COVID protocols Brooklyn. just so that I can take my lunch break to go watch them and, and sing that song the entire way over. There you uh, go. <laughs> but the, uh, legitimately, the, the game against Florida State is probably going to end in a loss, although they could very well win. And all that does is get you a third matchup against Duke, which we've seen how the last two have went. And without Jesse, I don't think there's much hope. So the men, Mark, Mark Edwards, Mark Edwards, Mark. No, why did I say Mark Edwards? Mark Williams is hoping Syracuse wins so that he can play against Frank and Burama and not three seven footers. Yeah, especially after like I'm not gonna lie. I don't want to win that game because I don't want to be the team that plays Coach K after that UNC yeah, debacle. Because they Syracuse, come- Syracuse has to hope that Coach K was just so distraught because of that UNC loss that he doesn't coach, and it has to be Shire that coaches. <laughs> no, that's, would- that's going to be the thing. He just K just you know Duke's already secured a decent seed in the tournament. K's just gonna you know let Shire get his his wheels under him by coaching the ACC tournament. Problem solved. <laughs> you know, I guess it's Corey the coach, right? Right. This is some this is some Syracuse specialty delusion right here. I absolutely love it. This is what we do best. Uh, but yes, so the men's season 
it, like we'll do the full season recap uh, next week's show based off of how things go with the ACC tournament. But I do think it's safe to say that, I mean, what we covered here is that's the season. That's the team. Um, we'll get into who's coming, who's leaving and who's staying uh, after next, you know, in next week's show. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was that this is officially the end to the women's basketball season. Um, they finished the year 11 and 18. They go four and 14 in the ACC uh, end the year on a six game losing streak. And they drop their final game of the season to Clemson uh, 88 to 69 in the first game in Greensboro. Obviously, the season that there was so much that happened going into the year. There was so much player movement. There were very few, there were at times where they barely had enough scholarship players in order to compete in games. We knew the season was going to be bad for the women. Uh, I don't think we thought it would be this bottoming out bad, but it ended up being this bottoming out bad. And the response on the on March 4th, so two days ago, was that John Wildhack uh, announced that there is going to be a national search for the head coach. And it uh, they basically the statement is non-committal on whether Vaughn Reed is going to stay at, on the program in any capacity. I'm assuming it's going to depend on how this national search goes. But all things being said... I think we talked about this prior, but I just want to rehash it again. It really seems kind of foolish that they used an entire year for what amounts to, in football terms, what is a year zero. Like, they could have just brought somebody else in and had the same result, but, you know, gotten a year of a new program and a new leadership and a new voice in the door, and instead Syracuse literally played a season in limbo and I really, again, not go back into the Chris Carlson thing. This is the first time that I can remember in my lifetime Syracuse doing something like this for any of their major programs. Even the Scott Schaefer interim year result was with the intent of Schaefer leading the program and growing into the head coaching role. It was never a, oh, we're going to see how he does and then determine whether we give him a long term extension or not. It's all very weird. Is the moral of the story there? Uh, yeah. Christian, yeah. I'm I'm intrigued as to what you think. Was this a wasted year? And slash, how much should we be banging down Buffalo's doors to 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 bring uh, Felicia home? Um, I would take option three. Uh, what's Timmy Reese doing, and how much money does she want? Um, because I saw I saw Caroline's tweet about wanting Tammy Reese for UVA, and I would like to say, hold on a second. Because as much as I would, as much as Felicia Leggett Jack would be very very nice right now, I really really like. I think Tammy Reese would be just one, uh, just an X on X and higher. You can't go wrong with either if it's Tammy Reese or Felicia Leggett Jack. Um, but to answer the first question, yeah, this was a wasted year. Um, you had an opportunity to, again, reset the program um, and reset it hard. And I don't think, I think the biggest mistake here would be to keep Reed. I think he did the best he could with what he was given. But at the same time, I think with everything that's starting to come out now with the other uh, potential things that are happening, I think it's time to just get to have a fresher start with the program. Yeah. And even though even though Reese was part of Q's staff, 
she's so far separated from it by now and has kind of built her own brand at Rhode Island that I think it's okay. Yeah, I think her last year with the program was, what, 2019? So she's she's a good three seasons out at this point. So that's... I mean, yeah, you're correct. She was at Syracuse 2015 to 2019. Yeah, so that's... You know, there's, there's some breathing room there. Um, either or would be a phenomenal phenomenal choice um or if they you know go outside the box you know syracuse doesn't tend to want to until they do um but if they could i'm I'm thinking basketball but it's also like we've never seen a basketball hire outside of q who was here for 10 years and Beheim, who's been here since time so yeah uh i guess there really is no past being precedent here so it's like yeah go out and find whoever the best option is. Um, if we can bring someone home, the, the, the Virginia points actually a good one with Reese playing there. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious where that goes, but all in all, I, I, I don't know. Um, what uh, is, is Reed staying in any capacity kind of the only thing that would make this search a complete failure? Yes, I, I think so. But I will say this. It's really clear that Reed is... He's a smart dude. Um, he kind of leans into the analytics, and he's and he's this new era coach. And it could be a situation where he's totally fine not being a head coach in any sort of capacity, and he'd rather be an assistant from here on out. Now, typically, that is not how these coaching personalities work. That's not how this industry works in any way, shape, or form. But if he wanted to say, like, listen, I don't care who you bring in. I'm willing to go back to being an assistant or go back to being just an analytics guy because I like the life that I have here in Syracuse. You know, the benefits that come with being a full-time employee of the university, if you have a family, are pretty enticing all things around if you've been here as long as Reed has been. Those are those are all reasons why I could understand him wanting to stay. That that being said, outside of that scenario, I'm with you. I think if they do the search and they land on Reed, that is a tremendous failure by Wild Hack and the rest of the boards of trustees to significantly woo either Reese or legit legit Jack from their current positions. Because I do want to make it clear that like I was looking at Felicia Legit Jacks. Um, page on Buffalo's website in 2019 um, her team was the youngest in the Mac Um, that team went 19 and 12 uh, for the season so you know they did pretty good and then this year they're 22 and 8 and and you know they're a Mac favorite so all in all if you're Buffalo, you know Syracuse is going to come calling. I'm sure that if she's happy in Buffalo and she does and she might need to be persuaded to move, Syracuse might have to open up the the bank accounts for it. And we've seen how women's basketball has not always been financially prioritized at Syracuse. So, I'm interested to see what happens in that regard. Um, but overall, uh again, this year Ends pretty poorly for both basketball programs. I think this is the first time in a while we can say that we're honestly kind of glad basketball season is over. And that feels really weird to say. Uh, so, yeah. What a weird, weird, weird year this has been. 
And usually when we do say that, that's because it was like a bubble team that just barely missed the tournament or something. Like this is a whole new whole new level. So we'll I'm sure we'll touch more on it next week, but uh yeah, it's it's been a ride this year. Less than ideal. Uh and that brings us to halftime, which, you know, yay, happy times. Let's talk home field apparel, your one stop shop for your vintage collegiate athletic apparel. Steve, if you're watching on the live cast, which you can view on twitch.tv backslash noons magician, Steve is rocking the home field apparel auto Syracuse t-shirt. I would show you my home field apparel, but that would involve tilting my camera screen down because I'm wearing the joggers. Um, they're yeah, very comfortable, but not safe for work here in this environment. <laughs> uh, all things home field apparel are very comfortable. Uh, I can tell you that they are cooking up some great stuff in the lab for March Madness. If you haven't been following them on social media or getting their email blasts, they have launched a bunch of big programs, including Kansas, um, North, uh, Louisville, North Carolina State. Like they've got pretty much if you are a college sports fan, they have you covered with your team in some great, comfy, cozy vintage apparel. And if you have not yet become a convert of home field apparel, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order of home field apparel, hoodies, t-shirts, joggers, stickers, what have you. Tell them that the Noons crew sent you. Gentlemen, we have some great things getting delivered to Syracuse University in the coming days. We just found out. Christian, you are our things recruiting and transfer portal guru. Uh, Lenoris Sellers has committed to Syracuse. Tell me why I should be excited about this person. What sport does he play? What does he do? Give us all the good details that are coming through that portal. He is a football player, so yes, we are talking college football in March, because as one Andy Pranker always says, it is always college football season. Suck it, everyone. <laughs> yep, pretty Bas much. <laughs> Yay. Basically, um, the, there's a big reason why we're excited about Lenore Sellers. Um, he was a former Virginia recruit. Um, and decommitted from Virginia and committed to Cuse. You could probably see where this is going. He was uh, originally um, committed to the Cavaliers mainly because of Robert and and Jason Beck. And he said in an interview after Brock and Mendenhall uh, left Virginia that he was still not sure if he was going to leave for, uh, his uh, Virginia commitment, but if Ana and Beck left, he would consider it. There we go. Ana yeah. and Beck left. Sellers decommitted, and now he's with the Orange. And if you really don't get where this is going, he is a quarterback. Um, he says he's four stars on his page on the three major recruiting sites. He's a three right now. I'm not sure uh, if he was a four at one point and, and, um, and got downgraded at another point, but I digress. The big thing, I'm not sure, I think um, someone pointed this out on Twitter, is that if Sellers was in the class of 22 right now, he'd be a higher-rated recruit than every other Syracuse recruit that was in the class of 2022. Hmm. So a three-star recruit, yes, but a pretty high-level three-star recruit. Also, so, to add to that, Chris Carlson, uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, according to Chris Carlson, he's ranked higher than any Syracuse player uh, since Deuce Chestnut and Enrique Cruz. Um, came in. So those are the only two that have been ranked higher uh, in the Dino Babers era. This is the uh, March 6th podcast brought to you by Chris Carlson. 
Indeed. Chris, pre- please okay. contact us for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Chris. <laughs> and thank you to everyone at Syracuse.com for your excellent reporting. As always. A special yes. shout-out shout to one of my good friends, Mike Curtis, who was turned into the Syracuse.com celebrity beat reporter. The, important, the only important beats. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm on Sellers' um, 24-7 page, Christian, and we're looking at, you know, Virginia was pretty clearly the dude uh, or the the school recruiting this dude. He had some other looks from other teams, but, you know, Virginia got in there pretty early and got him committed. Um, It says he's 6'2", 215. Um, He's from South Carolina. And it lists, he says on his Twitter page that he's a dual threat quarterback. Um there's not I don't see anything on his 24 seven page like saying that he's pro style versus dual threat. Um, I'm interested. Uh, Make he they, they do have a mustard as dual threat. Oh, there we go. Yep. Sorry. In the scouting report, athletic mm-hmm. background. Sorry. Um, yeah. So the, he, they, he's a dual threat quarterback, which I think is really interesting because it seems as if if you look at Syracuse's football roster, all of the quarterbacks in there right now are dual threat quarterbacks there's no pocket passers um because if it isn't our friend garrett schrader or one of the uh transfers like dan valari that came in it's uh lampson who is the reported you know next guy up after these veterans and he's a dual threat as well so i'm very intrigued here on syracuse after bringing back liver what was that? So does Jacoby and Morgan trap liver here? I always forget that Jacoby and Morgan is actually a pocket passer, even though he is because the only time we saw him, he was running from his le- running for his yeah. life every there, snap. So. There's a difference between a pocket passer and a quarterback with no offensive line. Like that does not turn one into a dual threat quarterback. That just turns you into <laughs> another running back. <laughs> Ergo, Tommy DeVito. Right. Yeah. Yep completely forgot about that that season steve is kind of like black boxed away in my brain it's only it's only opened in case of emergency because yeah. illinois quarter because illinois has our star uniforms does that by proxy mean that we also claim illinois players and their better players i mean they took ours we can take one of theirs that's I'm point. okay with this too. I mean, yeah. Virginia has our colors too. We're just we're all of the orange and blue teams that mean, are going to create one massive orange. So does and blue that mean team. we get? Yeah, we so took, does that mean we get Kofi Cockburn at some point? Ooh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Please. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you said though, we got we got Virginia's coaching staff. We'll send somebody down. Like we can give them Schaefer or somebody. Like, come on, <laughs> <laughs> it'll work out fine. Um, Steve, I'm, I'm really intrigued. Uh, we've talked about the spring game, uh, a lot and just how in general it's a glorified scrimmage. Coaches don't like to show a lot, especially when it's going to be televised. That being said, we now have so many quarterbacks in the room that fit a very specific kind of mold. I'm intrigued once we get our first look at these guys, once spring ball starts and once the, the practices start going out. With the offensive line that we have, is this going to be a situation where you foresee Syracuse running a more option-oriented attack like what we saw this past year? Or is this truly going to be the beginning of this RPO, this hybrid RPO Dino Babers spread and run system that we've been thinking is going to show up? but has yet to really materialize in the post-Eric Dungy 
this is a designed pass, but I'm just going to run because I feel like it era. I may plead the fifth on this because there may be some self-incrimination if I go one way or the other, but in all honesty, it, it, it probably will. No I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the best way to take it. It's like, I, I mean, Anae and Beck are smart enough minds to incorporate everything that they can. Yes. They're going to bring what they did at Virginia with them. But I don't think Dino would have them coming in if it wasn't for a willingness to work with what he's got going as well as, you know, blocking schemes or concepts that Schmidt wants to work with. Like, there's, it seems like they're building a comprehensive staff, which is is weird to say compared to the past years of Baber's tenure where it was a, a little bit of the old boys club going on and... Yes, there was some shuffling, but it, this this seems more like a, um, I, I guess a meeting of the minds and like, all right, we need to win some games. How are we going to do this? And if that turns into, I don't know. You, you got to ride Tucker, so you need to have that RPO. The the at least the run portion of an RPO. Uh, you need to have someone who can throw to run an RPO, so that that eliminates some people in the quarterback uh, room. Um, I mean, but does it? <laughs> eh, well, you know. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I I really I wish, like I said, I I almost want to. Uh, I almost want to plead the fifth because there are so many variables going into this right now that it's like until we start to see something and we'll see something in less than a month from now. Um, or at least I know, well, actually no, cause it's televised. You get to see something too. there, big guy. Um, Christian and I will be hanging out there. Uh, you get to watch from Brooklyn. So, um, actually for anyone who's listening and doesn't know, we are going to do a noons meetup at the spring game, uh, at some point. Um, I'm not sure Kevin doesn't have any details, but we were thinking of setting something up. So, uh, if you are going to be at the spring game, feel free to let us know. And, uh, you know, we'll probably, those of us covering it will probably be wandering in and out. But uh, I I think they're they're trying to consistently set up something to, to get some viewership and commentary at uh, interacting with each other and, you know, saying hi to the masses. I was going to say, I'm actually kind of jealous that it does sound like the spring football game is kind of going to be this noons moment where... Uh, you know, we ev- everybody's going to be together. Two thirds of the podcast is going to be there covering the game in, in some capacity. Um, but in general, like the spring practices coming back are just a really nice reprieve for us because it gives us something to talk about. Even though Babers is notoriously tight-lipped, like last year, it was what? Well, I I forget how oh, gosh it was. I think it was fall ball when Christians videos would come out and it's like oh by the way we should probably like garrett traders taking reps with the ones huh we didn't really think about that too much when it happened off the bat but like that's there are things that happen that in the time it's really hard to extrapolate and take meaning from but once you have the full 360 picture you realize oh wow that was actually part of the coaching staff's intent from the beginning was that the dearth of content era where i was freeze framing and going frame by frame through a 30 second clip of various things yeah yes. okay yeah that was a fun one yeah we uh, were that was that... that was that was the era where your first uh your first thought was wow knee braces 
God. Yeah, hope. who's in a knee brace, who's not in a knee brace. All the good stuff. All knee braces all the time. Listen, if we we're here for offensive line content. This and, is cle- we- and clearly, let's let's point this out. You said, oh, oh, look, all the knee braces. Clearly, some of those knee braces didn't work. Well, <laughs> minor, minor detail. Minor so, detail. If anyone guys, wants more will, information uh, on the large people, feel free to check out the preview that I put out last week on the offensive line because there was, I think, almost 1,300 words about large human beings. Uh, this is what we do best. Uh, I'm checking out right now. When does the spring football season start? I know when it starts. It starts today. tomorrow. No, it was hey. today, wasn't it? Oh, I'm sorry? I thought it was today. Did they practice today? I thought, I thought it so. said March 7th. Oh, I thought there was some stuff coming out on the the socials of the media. Oh, well, they might, have, they might have been. I, I know they've been lifting. I'm not sure if they did anything like. Day one defense was ready to ball out this spring. Oh, okay. And well, there's pictures. Corrected. We have pictures. Um, oh, I here found... we go. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was going to say, Nate Mink has made the um, spring football roster uh, information public. Oh, um, it's not behind the paywall. Uh, oh. yeah. So here we go. This is what the last half of the podcast has turned into. Sorry, lacrosse. We'll get to you in a second. I just want to call this out. Let's see if this um, is um, updated on Qs.com because usually he gets this information on Qs.com. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so it looks like Marlo wax. Okay, cool. Marlo wax is up 10 pounds. He's oh, up to two forty five. Um, Stefan Thompson is up to 247. That's 12 pounds. And cowboy, oh uh, Steve, uh, Callan Ellis is now up to 388 pounds. He's a small boy. He is a small he boy. Is, uh, the other two linemen, Bleich and Davis, added 10 pounds. Bergeron is up to 327. And Chris Elmore is back up to 290. Oh, boy. He's actually becoming a rhino. I have. Yeah. So, okay, this is going to be my I'm, I'm already getting uh, my conspiracy cap on. Is Elmore going to be back on the line or is he going to be playing defensive tackle this year? Okay, no last dose. I wouldn't put it past him to move to DT. Um, or dumb, stupid thought. It's his last year. Let's run him out both ways. Yeah, porque no las dos. There it is. I mean, I'm not I, saying offensive no, the, line. Hey, I'm for the heck of like, it, throw him my kick return also. Yeah, what yeah. the heck? Might as well. He's he's good in one of those slot slot spots. Um, yeah, but you know, DT or uh, like DT or tight end, like blocking tight end when they need him, blocking fullback, whatever. Maybe maybe Max Mang made some jumps and they like what he's doing in that role. Maybe an A and Bex. Uh, formations and system aren't going to require more of a fullback so there's a lot of variables there as to why our utility guy could be bulking up and looking to be more utility so yeah i was gonna say on that note max mang changed his number from 47 to 81 so that would seem to lead that he's probably going to get more snaps at tight end um, the other notable number changes, uh, Garrett Schrader is now wearing number six, not number 16. And Deuce Chestnut, who was wearing number 20, is now wearing number zero. I'm going to screw that up at least 10 times this year, letting oh, you all yeah, know now. 
Me yeah. too. Well, who's rocking the 20? Okay, LaQuinn Allen. So at least there's not another uh, defensive I, I, 20. Yeah. I, I think the big thing also is that, uh, just to note, um, because we might, we, this kind of like went under the radar when this was announced in January. There are nine freshmen that early enrolled who are scores, or, uh, scholarship players. So that is very, very good. Yes, absolutely. The earlier you can get them to campus, the better. And yeah, may... I'm. I'm sorry. I'm still thrown off by this. Uh, the, the, this Chris Hale Hale thing. Or that too. No, just that you don't add that much weight by accident. <laughs> I mean, you could add that much weight by accident, but you don't report that you put on that much weight by accident. Right. Hey, Mario's and Salvos is good. Let Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, for the record, we do have two Maximilians on the team right now. Oh, God, we do. We also have Maximilian von Marburg. Wow. We are just importing dudes that uh, would run a ski chalet. Yeah. No, absolutely. So uh, is, is that is that the start of Syracuse's bobsled team? Oh, yes. I mean, Lake Placid's just down the road. It's not that hard. <laughs> A nice, nice three and a half hour jump. Yeah, oh, exactly. This is, this is also going to be really annoying when we're trying to do uh, a little, like offense previews, and then we're using Schrader pictures where he's still wearing sixteen. Yep. Mm, yep. Uh, at least, at least it's kind of similar. Like, I would be really thrown off if he went from sixteen to eight or something. Like, that would just not be yeah. okay. Yeah. But uh, okay, well. While we all ponder what the heck is going on with uh, our our big boy Rhino and where he might line up this year, uh, we should talk about lacrosse for the final 10-15 minutes because today was a doozy of a lacrosse day. Um, the men held on and won 18-16. to I, oh, Hold on. Oh. I need a 30-second timeout just for the fact that they did put out a Sean Tucker picture with the spring ball stuff. Oh, we're talking like DC three levels of arm going on. <laughs> Sean Tucker is a mammoth human being. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, oh! Is this on Q's football's Twitter? Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, oh! Uh, zoom in, zoom yeah. in if you can, because oh, I am. <laughs> this, let's see. This is content. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'm I'm getting distracted. We, I, we have to remember oh. we're a podcast also. So yeah, yeah. Um, right. So um, let let's let's explain. Um, yeah, veins. Um, his biceps have pecs. Um, <laughs> like there's. I mean, okay. We've all seen him. We've all seen the video of him running in the singlet. So we knew that he was jacked up top. Um, it looks like after track season, he just went and did arms. Just all arms, <laughs> and he didn't skip leg day either. <laughs> he definitely no. didn't. He did them both at the same time. Yeah. So either way, um, if we wanted our uh, our starting running back to be amazingly jacked, we got our wish. So sorry mm-hmm. for uh, taking away from the lacrosse conversation, but I saw that and I felt like it needed to be shared. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it did need that, to be shared. Take that, Saquon. <laughs> I was gonna say. Sean Tucker this year might kill a guy. Not intentionally, <laughs> no, but he, he might kill a may, guy. may physically just run through someone. <laughs> yeah, I would be very I'd We're, we're, we're going to get to that UConn game and all of a sudden you're just going to hear Jim Ross commentary in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I will be That's at that great. game, so it might be me doing a Jim Ross impression, just letting you know ahead of time. Uh, 
so lacrosse syracuse retains a rivalry trophy um they won 18 16 i don't know if either of you got to see the game i watched the highlights uh christian it seemed like it was a game where syracuse was always ahead but hobart was just kind of there nipping the entire way and shocker the final the the win came down to syracuse winning a key face-off something i did not think that we were allowed to do uh, Fop actually did well today, um, to to everyone's surprise. Uh, it didn't start well because he got his third face-off violation in the first half with 7.15 left to go in the first. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, you're only allowed as a team to have three, uh, up to three face-off violations in a half, whether it's going early or not clamping down correctly, stuff like that. If you get your third, it's an automatic 30-second penalty. And it continues to be a 30-second penalty for every face-off violation in that half. So to jump three times within the first eight minutes of the game was not a fortuitous sign for Fop. Luckily, he turned it around and went 25 for 38 at the X, which was very good. Yeah, that seems to work out. So that that was nice. I was glad that you explained that, Christian, because I think you saw my face, which was the yeah. confused dog head tilt of, yeah. what, does, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. the, so this is, obviously Hobart's a good team, they're not a great team, um, and t- at least in terms of the number one and two teams that Syracuse are playing like on a weekly basis <laughs> uh, at this point in time. Yeah. That being said, this seems like it's a, a decent win for the men's program. They, they, they needed some rebounds. They needed a mm-hmm. close game to go their way, and this game seemed yeah. to be the kind of game that a bad uh, other Syracuse teams might have lost. Yeah, I mean, and it's a good win. I think the big question from this team comes from... Um, Someone help Dordovec and Curry, um, because please, um, Dordovec and Curry each had five goals, and um, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Andy, Secondary Andy. scoring is an issue for the Orange. That's mm-hmm. a new one on the bingo card. Yeah. Um, the other interesting one, um, uh, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it, is that during the Army game, uh, because remember, the Army game also happened this weekend. Syracuse lost that game because Army is very good. Um, let's also ignore the fact that instead of a first quarter collapse, it was a fourth quarter collapse for Syracuse because they were up 13-12 into the fourth, heading into the fourth quarter and proceeded to promptly lose 18-13. Um, so, yay um let me double check to make sure i got that score correct because there is always the option that i did get that wrong it was 17 13 still not good um (laughs) does not make it much better does not make it better at all to get outscored five nothing in the fourth quarter what happened also in that fourth quarter of that army game is that Gary Gate made a goalie change? Yes, not just through, not just in the fourth quarter. He made it in the first quarter because Syracuse once again went down early. Army won the first quarter five three, and Bobby Gavin was pulled after twelve minutes in the first quarter, and Harrison Thompson went in, and Harrison Thompson started the Hobart game, hmm. and then Gavin came in. In the fourth quarter. Huh. 
goalie play and goalie cho- choice is going to be interesting. And that's the case. The same for... can also be said for the women's team, right. which I will get to in a bit. Huh. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Goalie controversy is not something I also expected this year. This is going to be Syracuse men's lacrosse. Things I did not expect to happen are happening. Yeah. Um, on the so the big uh, so the big thing like I'll I'll touch on two things real quick with uh with the men before we move on to the women. Uh, one Hobart went five for six on man up opportunities. Not great. Um, so stop giving up penalties because it might go badly. Um, uh, and two, yeah. Good win for Syracuse. Next week is Johns Hopkins at Homewood. There's yeah. a certain former Johns Hopkins head coach and former Johns Hopkins player on the Syracuse staff right now. Yay! Storylines. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be very interesting. There's going to be some billboard material from somebody. I just don't know which side. Um, on the women's side, that game is also it, sh- shout out. Also, that game's getting the ESPNU treatment next week. Oh, hey, that's awesome. It's like a half step up from ESPN Network Extra, so or ACC Network yeah. Extra. So that's a plus. Yeah, one one versus nine. Nah, put that on <laughs> ACC Network Extra. We're talking about the Maryland yeah. Syracuse game that was on ACC yeah. Network Extra. Oh, ESPN, you keep doing you. Um, another one that actually on that note, today's women's game, Syracuse Duke, the uh, Twitter account keep kept saying that it was on the ACCN. And I was like, ooh, that means that it is on ACC Network. Nope, ACC Network nope. Extra, because I flipped over and watched Miami, Florida State baseball for a, a half a minute. Hey, um, that's no, nothing wrong with that. I mean, baseball's great. Syracuse got a baseball program, please. I'm packing yeah, it. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong please. with that. Just just not the women's lacrosse coming back from what was at one point a 9-2 to deficit. Indeed. Um, and that was in the first quarter. Yeah, so Syracuse women started terribly and then came back and won. What the heck happened? <laughs> uh, Syracuse decided they wanted to win draws. Um... It it was it would it would uh slightly bad in the first uh because Duke went nine three on draws and um by the time it ended uh Duke still won draws twenty one fourteen but remember they were up nine three on draws in the first half so they pretty much went even the entire way the rest of the way so yay. Uh, speaking of people that had five goals, Megan Tyrell and Megan Carney also had five goals. Love it. Uh, love to see that. I saw the video. If you haven't seen it yet, um, head over to the women's lacrosse Twitter page. They have the Megan Trainer's uh, post-game speech to the team in there. Uh, it's you mean really Kayla awesome. Trainer? Michaela Trainer. Dang, dang it. I knew I was going to get wrong. Kayla Trainer. Uh, yeah. Yep. There we go. Uh, knew we'll I was going to get that eventually. one wrong as soon as I said it. Uh, but yes, post game speech is up on the uh, is up on the Twitter account. You should watch it. It's it's it. That was a game where I saw the thing on Twitter. Went oh no, made a mental note for huh. This is not going to be fun to talk about later. And then just kept seeing the highlights posted into my Twitter feed of Syracuse goal, Syracuse goal, Syracuse goal. And then I threw it on the iPad while I uh, watched other things. So, yeah, great game for them. Uh, in general, it seems like the women's team it might be just as up and down as the men's team in some regards. However, yeah. 
uh, they are finding ways to make adjustments and pull things out. But like you, like you've yeah. been saying all year, Christian, it's going to come down to that North Carolina I, game. Yeah, I, and I think the big adjustment uh, we were talking about goalies in these Syracuse, uh, the men's Syracuse lacrosse game uh, for the women. Um, they started with Kimber Hauer in goal. Uh, she is a transfer from UNC, was the uh, backup to their star keeper, Taylor Moreno, uh, throughout her entire UNC career, um, and is now with Syracuse. Why is that significant? It's because the Cuse women's lacrosse goalies have been splitting time in cage um, the entire season. It would be Delaney Schweitzer, um, who would start in cage for the first 30 minutes, and then would go into Hauer for the final 30 minutes. So this is the first time that Schweitzer has played the entire um, uh, entire game. And Schweitzer herself is a transfer. I'm sorry? This was Hauer's first. Yes. Yeah, this is Hauer's first time that she's played the entire game herself. Uh, Schweitzer herself is actually a USC transfer. So both transfer goalkeepers. Remember, Asa Goldstock no longer with this team. So Kayla Trainer is still trying to find her goalie. Still not the best game from Hauer. I mean, eight goals allowed on six. Eight, I mean, eight saves on 16 uh, shots. But again, it's women's lacrosse. That is very hard uh, to make saves because right. it, it, women's lacrosse rules are very hard. When I was, um, I was reading an article, I, can't, I think it was an interview. It might have been actually John's write-up because, you know, why not? Um, but uh, it seemed like of the goals that uh, Howard gave up, just about like the good chunk of them were in that first quarter in that first stretch where yes. she was kind of shell-shocked a little and then they adjusted the defense and she made most of those saves consecutively after that so seems like uh you know trainer and the staff made a, a good bit of adjustment to help them out and um you know hopefully uh hopefully that helps moving forward yeah this was a heck of a weekend for lacrosse. Um, there's going to be more taking place, obviously, this week. Um, as Christian mentioned, we've got Johns Hopkins coming to the Dome on the men's side. That game is going to be Sunday, I do believe. I'm pulling up the... It is indeed Sunday. And then do you know who the women have on Sunday by chance? Or do that they play a, great, a different day of the week? That is a great question. I'm looking that up right now. Oh, they go it, and it, visit it. Carolyn in Virginia on Saturday. That will be on ACC Network Extra. Um, shout, out to the Wednesday, shout out to the Wednesday game that uh, that uh, the women's lacrosse team play um, after Virginia. Look who they play and then look where it is being aired. Wait, what? On YouTube. They are uh, playing. Sorry. They are playing Florida at Florida. Um, that's not new. I mean, the Syracuse actually usually plays Florida, uh, but the game is being aired on YouTube today. I learned Whoa. Florida had a lacrosse program, <laughs> so that's actually not the surprising part. Like Florida actually does. Like Syracuse and Florida have played a decent amount of times yeah. um, for women's lacrosse. The surprising part is that it's on YouTube. Well, thank you, Qs.com. My question now becomes, which YouTube channel? How do we find this? Please let us know, because I would happily throw that on Wednesday while I'm finishing up work. Just just throw that game on for, for you know, reasons. Uh, so, yeah, you know, interesting. Things are always interesting around Q Sports and around television rights or streaming rights. 
Uh, so yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's an off-season podcast if I ever heard one. Uh, on that note, this week's podcast is going to wrap. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate the support. If you were watching live on our Twitch stream, thank you so much for tuning in with us. We do this every Sunday night at 8 p.m. ish for an hour ish, and we will continue to do so all throughout the rest of this year. Uh, thank you for everybody who's listening onto your podcast uh, player of choice. Make sure you like us, make sure you rate us, review us, give us five stars, help us help the algorithm get us into more households and expand the Ottoman Empire across the world. And if you are reading this or watching this or listening to this on the News Magician website, thank you for coming to newsmagician.com. We really appreciate it. We will continue to have great stuff coming out all week uh, around all things orange, including the ACC men's basketball tournament, which again, Syracuse plays on Wednesday. Uh, so for Steve, for Christian, for everybody at Troy Nunes is an absolute magician. Thank you, and go orange. Go orange. Go orange.